Pulled up to the radio station this morning, uh, I don't know, an hour ago or so, and it was pouring, absolutely pouring rain. Oddly enough, when I left the house just five minutes earlier, it wasn't. Hey, it's a Monday, folks. And we got a free-for-all. That's right, a free-for-all edition of the Party Line. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And um, just a word of update, uh, tomorrow, Chief of uh, our Athens Fire Department, Bob Reimer, will be in with us. And let's see, on Wednesday, we have Terry St. Peter who is with Athens Area Stand Down. So uh, two, two shows coming up here this week with guests, and uh, there might be more coming. Who knows? All right. Well, um, let's see here. The Paw Paw Fest is over. And uh, I, I had every intention of making it out there. I didn't get there. But I've talked to several people who did and said they had a wonderful time. And um, I always hate it when I miss certain things like that. Scott, how about you? You you, you like to take in certain annual events? Oh, yeah. 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 Great time for people out there, too, that I saw post things on Facebook, how much fun they had, and uh, what a great time it is out there each year. I s- Saturday, I had two birthday parties, one at 4 and one at 6, and... Both of them were meant to go longer than just an hour or two, you know. But um, it, it's I was busy Saturday, and um, but I like that. I'd rather be busy than not, frankly. It helps me get through each day. All right. Well, today is September nineteenth. Good morning, folks. Welcome. Today a free for all, of course. Hey, matey. Arg, arg. What are we doing? Well, today is Talk Like a Pirate Day. Bring, bring up, uh, if you can, uh, over there a couple pirate phrases or things like that. Uh, the ones we did were kind of generic. Generic, yes. That's a perfect term, man. <laughs> but uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day. Uh, it's also National Butterscotch Pudding Day. As a kid, I did not enjoy the flavor of butterscotch as much as most people. But I have grown to really like it now. And I guess, uh, did you have anything like that? Was there a, a certain sweet thing that uh, as a kid you didn't enjoy so much, but now you do? Um not really. I can think of a couple of foods. I'm I'm not real crazy. I'm still not real crazy about butterscotch. I didn't like it as a youngster, and I'm still not too oh, crazy about really? it. Well, yeah. so that one hits right dead center. Huh? Yeah, black licorice. I didn't like, and I'm still not really liking that too. 
Uh, there's that cherry licorice. Yeah, that's good. That's the only one I... I've forgotten all about licorice. I haven't seen licorice in a long time. Yeah. I suppose it's still around. Yeah, I saw some, uh, lo- actually a lot of it where I, I was at the Ohio State game Saturday night. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, I saw a lot of kids eating licorice, even big kids, adults eating licorice, too. Now, tell me about this Ohio State game. This was uh, in Columbus? Yes. And um, what time did the game begin? Forgive me. Uh TV started at 7, but kickoff was actually at 7.10. Okay. Typically, that's what they do yeah. to get the start of the show in there. And, and uh, folks, if you've never attended a game at the Horseshoe, wow. Oh, my. Wow. It is um, just amazing. It is one of the best ever spectacles in sports. I'm talking all sports. I'm going to... Um, I love going to the OU games, and um, I have four seats up in the tower section, and Mark and Mindy Heflin are joining me this year, and um, and then somebody else that sort of varies from game to game. But the um, I love going to the OU games. I love it. But there is something amazing about the horseshoe in Columbus. Yeah, there were uh, 105,000 people in attendance, and I'll tell you what, that place gets rocking when, uh, well, the score is, you know, the beginning of the game before the score got to be 77-21, to 21, which was the final, and uh, the Buckeyes ranked number three in the nation. Not a lot of opportunity to get to see a nationally ranked team yes. in our area, right? So... Typically, the Buckeyes are up there each year. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I love our Bobcats. I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you got a chance, I mean, come on, let's face it. Let's be real here. When you got a chance to see a team that has a chance to win a national championship each year, it's, it's if you like sports as much as I do, and, I, you know, I love Bobcat football, I love Ohio State football, Bengals football. Uh, you know, it's it's just something when you get a chance to do it. It really is something to anticipate going to the excitement, the atmosphere, the venue, the smells, the mm-hmm. sounds. I mean, all of it. You can smell food cooking in the in the air from the minute you get close to the stadium. From all of the tailgating, the the grills cooking. You know, burgers, brats, no, I'm hot fine. dogs. You know, on and on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to paint a little picture for listeners, but uh, um, the walk to the stadium, Mm -hmm. the excitement of getting into the game, uh, got into the stadium without any problem. You know, there's a crowd there. It takes you time to get. They they manage it well, though. Yeah, it takes you time to get parking. It takes you time to get to the stadium, and it takes a little time to get in because there are lines to get, obviously. But they have the card readers now. Uh, the automatic, uh, automated readers, you just hold your phone up there with a digital ticket. Nobody takes a paper ticket there and looks at it and tears a stub off and hands it back to you. You know, it's just everything's automated. Uh, went in, got a brat, got a Coke, some mustard on the brat, and I'm telling you what, ready, ready to head for the seats. And uh, once you get into the open area of the stadium, 
it's it's a magnificent thing there at the at the horseshoe. Now, where were your seats? Where were they? Yeah, in the the lower deck, A A deck go that goes A yeah B and C deck C yeah. deck being the top area, mm. but uh, mine were. But 30. I mean, like um, what yard line or? Uh, probably about close to the goal line. Okay. Of the closed in part, okay. but thirty thirty two rows up. I mean, it was perfect. You could see everything. Yeah, but you could still be close enough to see all the action, and and when the band comes in, it's that is a spectacle, one of the best through the tunnel. Yes, in college sports, <laughs> I mean to see the entrance of the Ohio State University marching band. One of my mentors, I've said this, uh, I've told you this over the years, was Starley Spawn, who was the director of the Ohio State marching band. What a great guy! He, I miss him. Retired and moved to Arizona and since has passed. But he started the Script Ohio format and or uh, formation. Yeah, and of course that was performed before the game, mm-hmm. not just by the current marching band, but it was alumni right. band day there. And it was also alumni cheerleading and uh, spirit team day there too. So there were lots of alumni cheerleaders, spirit team. There were, I mean tons of alumni, Ohio State alumni band members. It filled the entire field of marching band. And you talk about a sound that you won't hear many other places with all of those instruments playing, all of the percussion playing. It's beautiful. I mean, I was in college football heaven right there yeah. with all that going. And again, the, the band entrance for me is uh, one of the greatest spectacles of uh, college sports. Uh, yeah, I know they're playing a football game, but that just gets the crowd excited when they come out there and then they they do their it, – it's all percussion when they take the field, when they enter through the uh, tunnel, as you mentioned, there too. So, and, you know, the game was great. I, I love a good brat. I used to have <laughs> um, a, a, a Coke. <laughs> I used to have season tickets. Both growing up and then later uh, down here when I was had uh, come back to Athens. And um, we would carry the Ohio State games as well as Ohio University. And the network people would provide me with a, a pair. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, anyway. And, I, and it's funny. Uh, everybody in my section were broadcasters. You yeah. Know? Sure. But, uh, anyway, but all I, right. It's just you know when when the, and they did four script Ohio's on the field, not just one, but four of them with the alumni and all that. Three alumni scripts and yeah. one with a current uh, marching band script, and it was so cool. And uh, you could see flashes going off and cell phones taking pictures. Sure. Crazy. There was a light show too where you could access the app on the Ohio State Athletics website. And what they do is they control the phone and they synchronize it with music that's playing. So it flashes all over the stadium in tune with the music. People hold their phone up and it, and it goes it goes just beautifully synchronized like that, too. So, you know, I mean, there's so many more things you could talk about in there, but um, it's just a neat thing. And I will say when the Marching 110 took the field up there, when the Bobcats played up there a few years back, uh, the marching 110 was equally as impressive, too. Oh, yeah. So uh, you know, two great bands there too, and that was a great day to see both of those 
uh, bands take the field there. So I remember you know, it well. Yeah, it was. It was just a. It's a neat experience. It was a night game. The weather was perfect. No rain. It was about I don't know low seventies throughout the game, and it's much better than sitting up there and freezing during the for that <laughs> November game, games. The game you're describing a couple years ago. I was up on um, the top of the press box, and talk about a view. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, just a neat it's, place. Um, I mean, you know, it's yeah. One of those things when you were talking about Saturday and the Paw Paw Festival and everything else, and how how my Saturday was. That's how mine was. Wonderful. <laughs> you know, just since we've been in here, which is uh, almost a half an hour now. Well, you've been in here much longer, but the sky keeps changing. One moment it's lightened up, then it's darkened up. And um, let's see, the rains, what are they saying? Basically, it looks like they're listed as all day we could have some rain. Um, Anyway, it's supposed to get up to 81 degrees today. It's 67 right now here on Columbus. Tomorrow they say 86 and a sunny day. Wednesday as well. But 93, getting warmer. All right. Well, here's some well, other things uh, a, a pirate might say, too. I as was going to as you were. bring it back to that. Yeah, as we were going on there, too. So. Hey, matey. Yeah, here's one. Uh, well, a few of them is avast, which means stop, and batten down the hatches. And here's one uh, that was kind of... Interesting. You bilge rat. Bilge rat. Bilge rat. Bilge rat. Oh, you village rat? Bilge, B-I-L-G-E. I don't know this word. It's pirate lingo for the lowest form of life. A village rat. Bilge. With a B. B B-I-L-G-E, yes. Oh, bilge rat. Bilge, yes. Oh, the bilge is in the bottom of the ship. Yeah. Yes, now I know. Bilge rat. You dirty rat, doity rat. And uh, let's see, a cat of nine tails, a whip made of knotted rope. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, a blackguard, you blackguard, a person who cannot be trusted. Is all, that the, all of this because today is talk like a pirate. Yeah, pirate lingo. There you well. go. Hearties. Hello, hearties. Hi, hearties. <laughs> Which means friends. You're better at this than I expected. Hi, hearties. Bob Bayette used to be pretty good at that, too. Really? Doing his arg. When he'd come in, I'd say, how you feeling today, Bob? He'd go, arg. Arg. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's look at some historical stuff. So, um, as we often do on free-for-all editions, uh, we talked about certain things that have happened on certain dates and this date again September 19th in 1356 English forces under Edward the Black Prince defeat the French at the Battle of Poitiers Poitiers P-O-I-T-I-E-R-S and capture the French King John II during the Hundred Years War 1870, on this date, the Siege of Paris by Prussian forces begins. 
and it lasts until January 28th of 1871. So basically about six months. Maybe five. I miscounted, I think. In 1893, New Zealand becomes the first country to grant all women the right to vote. So they they preceded us. They preceded all sorts of places. New Zealand, 1893. 1985, an 8.1 earthquake in Mexico City kills an estimated 10,000 people and also left 250,000, that's a quarter of a million people, homeless. Nineteen eighty six, just a year later, the US federal health officials announced AZT will be available to AIDS patients. That's a medication, I assume? Yeah, a, a treatment. Okay. Yes. All right, some famous birthdays here. Antonius Antoni Antoninus Plus. No, pious. My eyes aren't... Uh, let me adjust my glasses. There we go. Antonius Pius. This uh-huh. is 86 AD that he was born. And he died in 161 AD. Now, the picture I have here is just that of a concrete statue. Yep, another granite head. What's his thing? He was the fourth of the five good emperors from the Nerva Antonine dynasty, born into a senatorial family. He held various offices during the reign of Emperor Hadrian. What is he best? So known? What, this would be what country? Uh, uh, looks like Italy. Italy, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. He was uh, born in Italy, uh, but he was a Roman emperor. Uh, He is known as the Roman Emperor for his peaceful approach to imperial management. Uh, Let's let's see. see here. Oh, yeah. You you got more? Well, let's see. Um, I guess if he was a Roman, he could have been in Italy since Rome is in Italy, right? I was thinking that myself. Yeah. Whether or not it was a cause of a consequence of his decision never to leave Italy the period of his reign was the most peaceful in all of Rome's imperial history. Okay, let's move on. John Baptiste Joseph de Lambre. De Lambre. De Lambre. D-E-L-A-M-B-R-E. Now, he was born, let's see here, on this date in 1749 and died in 1822. So what's his thing? What's this last name spelling again? D-E-L-A-M-B-R-E. Delambre. He was a French mathematician, astronomer, historian of astronomy, and geodesist, whatever that is. He is also the director of the Paris Observatory and author of well-known books on the history of astronomy from ancient times to the 18th century. Uh, Brian Epstein is next. 
Um, born in 1934, died in 1967. So not a real long life. But he was a... British music entrepreneur who managed the Beatles from oh, 19, yes. yeah, from 1962 until his passing in 1967. He was born into a family of successful retailers in Liverpool who put him in charge of their music shop where he displayed a gift for talent spotting. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, in terms of birthdays, our last one today that we have listed here is William Golden. Born in 1911, died in 1993. William Golding. Sir William Gerald Golding, a British novelist, playwright, and poet best known for his debut novel, Lord of the Flies. Oh, yes. He published another 12 volumes of fiction in his lifetime. Hmm. And, let's see, some of those works include The Inheritors, The Spire, Rites of Passage, Pincher Martin, and darkness visible. Well, let's uh, turn turn our attentions to. <coughs> let me see if I can enunciate well here. Famous deaths. There's two to mention today. Guy Gibson. Um, I think in this picture he has a military uniform on. Um, 1918, his birth. But he died on this date in 1944, so not a real long lifetime. Wing Commander Guy Penrose Gibson was a distinguished bomber pilot in the Royal Air Force during the Second World War. And this guy looks a little bit familiar. Orville Redenbacher. Hmm. Yes, indeed. 1907, his birth. He died on this date in 1995. Orville Clarence Redenbacher was an American food scientist and businessman most often associated with the brand of popcorn that bears his name, which is now owned by ConAgra. The New York Times described him as the agricultural visionary who all but single-handedly revolutionized the American popcorn industry. uh, Are you a fan of popcorn like I am? Yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty good stuff. Yep. What makes Orville Redenbacher popcorn different? The ideal popcorn hybrid allows popcorn to pop to light and fluffy perfection. Hmm. The, uh, down at Farmer's Market, they have that, uh, caramel corn. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Kettle corn, too? I guess that's maybe what it is. Kettle or caramel? Either one? Well, they both have that caramel flavor, right? Mm-hmm. A little sweet to them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really good. All right, well, let's turn our attention to the news. Do I need to remind you that uh, Queen Elizabeth II died? Um, this morning I actually woke up a bit earlier than usual to watch some of the um, the funeral procession and all of that. Um, there have been 10 days now of national mourning. 
She was, of course, Britain's longest reigning monarch. She'll be laid to rest at the vault of St. George's Chapel. That's probably happened by now. Um, her state funeral uh, w- occurred at Westminster Abbey, which was the first time since 1965 that it was used for that purpose, the chapel, the, the abbey, that is. The last time it was used, Winston Churchill. Um, by the way, how far is it from um, Windsor Castle to um, Westminster Abbey? It's 20 miles. Well, let's see here. The coronation of King Charles III is slated for 2023. So it's going to be a few months yet. But that should be something to, uh, once again, pay a lot of attention to. Are you familiar with Hurricane Fiona? Yes. It made landfall in Puerto Rico yesterday, dropping more than two feet of rain in some areas and reportedly knocking out power access to the island. As of this morning, one death had been attributed to... Category 1 storm. Fiona arrived in Puerto Rico almost five years to the day that the island was decimated by Hurricane Maria, which, we will remind you, left more than 3,000 dead across the region. The system is the third hurricane in what thus far has been a relatively calm season to date, partly due to the excess dry air near Africa disrupting typical atmospheric dynamics. The storm is expected to veer northeast, passing over Bermuda by Thursday. Separately, hundreds of residents in western Alaska took shelter as the remnants of Typhoon Murbach, M-E-R-B-O-K, slammed the coast. Well, what about the Ukraine? Russia has expanded its shelling of civilian targets across Ukraine's eastern region in recent days, that according to Western intelligence reports, a move that comes in response to a rapid counteroffensive by Ukrainian forces in the country's northeast. The attacks follow a visit by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to the recently recaptured town of Izium, Izium, I-Z-Y-U-M, which is about 50 miles from the Russian border where 
evidence of mass graves was reportedly uncovered. Well, going on. Separately, sources suggest Russia has begun using Iranian-made kamikaze drones, believed to be the first wide-scale deployment of a foreign-made weapons system during the war, something not made in Russia. The Shahed-136, Shahed that's the name of the the make and model of the drones. These drones are designed to explode on impact, with each one capable of knocking out single, long-range artillery units. An example of that is what we have in the U.S. called the howitzers. And we also have supplied the Ukraine with some of those. Think of it, a drone carrying that much explosive. Wow. In related news, the war in Ukraine is expected to dominate the annual United Nations General Assembly, which begins tomorrow in New York. So we're going to hear more about that uh, as they convene. What about robots? I've been hearing more and more about robots. Um, I have a story here this morning. It says robots are complex and expensive to program. That's why so many businesses that need automation still have not adopted them. Mitch Tolson founder and CEO of Alley Robotics, discovered this when he was helping a $500 million fast food automation giant achieve global scale. Inspired to take an entirely new approach, Mitch and his team at Alley developed a robot that can eliminate programming altogether. How does it work? Well, the bot learns by observing and imitating human movement. No coding is required. As a result, Alley robots cost 70% less to operate than competing bots, giving businesses access to truly affordable automation for the first time. I have seen some, um, I guess, mo motion pictures, videos, whatever you want to call it, of these bots. And they watch a human do a certain job, and then they can do it just by observing. Yeah, they mimic the movements. Really? Remarkable. <clears throat> you see, they go on to say, with first mover advantage, Tolson and his team are now seeking investment 
to capture their share of a 140 no 114 billion dollar market including including sectors like agriculture, construction and manufacturing. So Hey um I meant to do this earlier, but I got distracted. Sports. We had Boku Sports this weekend. We never get distracted in here. <laughs> right. Um, y- you know, you are so much better at sports than I am. Uh, y- and your knowledge is so much farther. I mean, I I watched some games yesterday off and on, but not one start to finish Um, because I was pulled in several different directions and then um, well anyway just do it okay as the Nike line says their tagline just do it anyway uh, already mentioned about the Ohio State Buckeyes big win yeah. 77 to 21 over the Toledo Rockets, a mid American team uh, that's expected to win the Western Division in the MAC. Uh, Toledo played pretty good in the first few minutes. As you know, as I mentioned, I was there at the game. Uh, the, the score was, you know, tied there at the beginning, and people were thinking Ohio State's got a 97% chance to win. And I thought, you know, just calm down and then you know the Buckeyes took over obviously and then I like to watch the entire game because a lot of the guys that don't normally get to play got to play and uh, won the third or fourth string running back I think even recorded 100 yards rushing which is a good measuring stick for how good of a day a running back had Mm -hmm. Uh, so good for him Dallin Braden is his name B-R-A-Y-D-E-N where's he from um, not sure where he, he that's, is from. That's all right. Yeah. But uh, anyway, good for him. I think he's a freshman. And um, you know, the uh, quarterback for Ohio State had another great game. Uh, you know, their, their wide receivers are just magnificent. Those guys are something else. They've got one of the best receiving cores in uh, the, the college football ranking. So, uh, anyway, C.J. Stroud, quarterback for the Buckeyes, another great day. So, the Buckeyes win. They remain number three in the national rankings. Georgia, number one. Alabama, number two. And Michigan, sitting at number four. Let me let me ask, um, not that this is important, but I want it anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, when I was growing up, my parents – and Ruth and Woody Hayes were very close friends. There was a restaurant up on Olentangy River Road, not too far from the stadium, called The High Life, which was uh, spelled J-A-I-L-A-I, as I recall. It's fancy. And I have some pictures of me being bounced on Woody's knee. Uh, with my parents and Woody and Ruth sitting at the table. I was really small. Um, Woody might have thought you were a football accidentally and <laughs> given me a excited. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, 
I tell me who's the coach today at Ohio State. Yeah, Ryan Day. Okay, I do know that name. But I mean, over the years, I'm trying to think. You know, there. I don't remember too many of the coaches like I remember Woody, and it's not just because of my parents. It's because of the publicity of the day. He was really something. He was a character. Yeah. Um, but Ryan Day, yeah, I've heard that name a good bit. Yeah, he was an assistant for um, Urban Meyer mm-hmm. for a while. He came highly recommended. He was sought after by lots of other major colleges to be a head coach there, but uh, he wanted to stay at Ohio State because he felt that's the best job in college football. And I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree. At all with him, even though they're ranked number three. You know, I still, when you're Ohio State, it's a brand. I mean, it is a thing Oh yes. to be with Ohio State football. So Now, number one and two are? Georgia, number one. Alabama, number two. The Buckeyes, three. Michigan, number four. Okay. So, shaping up to be a good game at the end of the Big Ten season. So when, when Michigan travels to Columbus this year. When Toledo left the field, the score was? 77 to 21. Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a, if you're a Buckeye fan, it was a great game. Uh, the Ohio Bobcats didn't fare too well once again. They were defeated by Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, 43 to 10. Uh, before that, they were beaten 46 to 10 by Penn State. They will host Fordham. At home at Peden Stadium this Saturday at 2 p.m. I'll be there. Yep. Pre-game on the flagship station of the Bobcats, Power 105, will begin at 1 p.m. this coming Saturday. So we'll be giving away some tickets this week. Uh, I'm going to try to give away some of my shows in the mornings and also uh, over on Power 105. So tune in. Uh, You may just win some free tickets to the game, the Bobcats and uh, Fordham, this Saturday at 2 p.m. At Peden Stadium. Incidentally, the Ohio State Buckeyes host Wisconsin this Saturday evening at 7:30. Uh, pre-game will be here on 970 WATH at 6 p.m. with uh, the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels and Jim Lachey. So Big Ten play starts for the Buckeyes this Saturday versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin won big this weekend, but uh, they played a, a smaller school. Uh, there were some upsets in the Big Ten. Illinois was defeated, I believe, as well as Northwestern by smaller schools. I think uh, Illinois was beaten by Southern Illinois mm. at home. So, you know, basically it's like Marshall going into Notre Dame last week uh, as a Sunbelt Conference team and beating a power team in Notre Dame. Notre Dame paid them, I think, $1.25 bucks to come up there to beat them. And then uh, Marshall walks out of there with a win and a nice payday as, uh, you know, the guaranteed contracts go. Um, Bengals, boy, oh, boy, what a bummer. They lost in overtime again yesterday to Dallas. Uh, They struggled most of the game, and then uh, Joe Burrow got them down the field, scored a touchdown, tied it up. Uh, Well, after they went for the two-point conversion and made that, uh, to tie it at 17 all. The Bengals uh, got the ball, didn't do anything with it, had to punt. Dallas drove the ball down to about the 35, 40-yard line of the Bengals and then kicked a 50-yard field goal to win. 
again. That's how the Bengals lost the week before to Pittsburgh. 50-yard field goal. Yep, they lost to Pittsburgh a week ago yesterday, a week ago from yesterday, on a last-second field goal, a 53-yard field goal, I do believe. Wow. After the Bengals had that one one, two, or three times even. So I'm a little concerned about game management that is going on from the head coaching position of the Bengals. Really? Yep. Um, the offensive line, the, they got new players this year because uh, Joe was sacked so many times. He got sacked again yesterday, just like he did the week before. Um, so, you know, it's it's sad to see that they tried to do some of the offensive line and it's still not working. Uh, the play calling for me was a little suspect. Uh, why they kept running one play up the middle, uh, you know, the passing. They needed some longer passes. Uh, but, you know, Joe's not calling the plays. The head coach is calling the plays. So, anyway, they lost 20-17 to 17 in overtime uh, last week. Same result. I think it was 23 or 20-17 to 17 last week. And so the last three games, including the Super Bowl, they've lost by three points. So, anyway, hopefully they'll get that turned around soon. And um, I think they play again this week. I'm not sure who the opponent is. Uh, but, anyway, uh, Joe Burrow's comments after the game, there's a lot of football left to be played. And, yes, he's right about that. But uh, I, I just am concerned that Joe's going to get hurt again by getting beat up and sacked all the time, as has happened yet again this year. So, um, something needs to get in gear with that offensive line. Defense played, yeah, I'll give them a average to above average game yesterday. But it looked like the Dallas defense was just a little bit quicker than the Bengals' offense yesterday. I mean, they were showing replays in live action there, too. And it looked like some of the Bengals' receivers were just jogging out in their pass routes. I mean, they weren't giving Joe enough time to throw, and then he had to get rid of the ball quicker than he normally would so he wouldn't get sacked again. So just a multitude of things that need addressed. And, you know, these guys are pros, and they'll figure it out. They better figure it out. Or, you know, like I said, I'm a little concerned about Joe's health again. I know we're running short on time here. So uh, the good thing about – the only good thing about the Bengals' loss was every other – team and their division lost too. Uh, the Browns blew a lead to the New York Jets. Uh, Baltimore, I think they blew a lead too. Uh, they lost and uh, the Steelers also lost yesterday. So every team in the in the North Division lost. That's the only, only upside of the Bengals losing yesterday. High school football, the Athens Bulldogs still looking for their first win of the year. They were defeated by Vinton County 21-6. The Spartans having a good season at Alexander. They beat Wellston 18-13. Nelsonville, York defeated Oak Hill 32-13. And uh, let's see, uh, Trimble, they lost to Cincinnati Woodward 28-20. I think that's all the Athens County schools anyway. So uh, yeah, still lots of uh, football to play yet. Well, <clears throat> folks, I had a story to share with you about democracy. It's written by the New York Times, but we just don't have the time to do this. Now, we have guests the next two days. Bob Reimer, the chief of the Athens Fire Department, is tomorrow. 
and then Terry St. Peter, who's from Athens Area Stand Down, is on Wednesday. But um, democracy, it's something I'm concerned about. We all should be. We'll, we'll save this for later. Have a great day, please. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N-S. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Steve Futterman at Westminster Abbey in London, where the bells continue to ring in tribute to Queen Elizabeth. Earlier inside the centuries-old church... Her solemn state funeral took place full of grandeur and pageantry. As her coffin was brought in, walking behind was King Charles, and the next two in line for the British throne, Prince William and nine-year-old Prince George. With 500 world leaders and dignitaries, including President Biden on hand, law enforcement has ramped up its presence. CBS's Vicki Barker. Security is incredibly tight for today's events. There are more than 10,000 police officers patrolling the procession here in London alone. Following the state funeral, the Queen's body was taken to Windsor Castle. Then later today, Queen Elizabeth, Britain